Welcome to Biggest Geekus. We're your host. I'm Randy. And I'm Joe. This is episode seven of our podcast, and the date is Thursday, October twenty second, two thousand twenty. How you been, Joseph? It's been okay. Yeah. Um, working a lot. Oh, that's your season, bro. Yeah, it's Getting that. Busy. The season it's going to go from one season to the next really quick <laughs> after the election. Yeah. So. So you. So. With the election, that's causing you to have to deliver more mail? Oh, yeah. You're not getting a lot of political mail? Yeah, okay. I wasn't thinking about it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting bombarded <laughs> with that crap. True. <laughs> yeah. It takes no a doubt. long time so, to get it sorted through and then a long time to deliver it. So that's just all there is. That's just no big deal. It's good for me as far as uh, extra work and more money and all that. Just sure. longer days. And so then after that, you got the holiday season. Do you get a bit of a chill in late January? You get to relax for a little bit? A little bit. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, uh, you've been doing any gaming, anything gaming-wise recently? Absolutely. Bupkis. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, I got to enjoy the COVID a little bit. It was about two days of feeling like weak sauce and then... Uh, showing that COVID was kind of weak sauce, but I don't want to belittle it. I mean, we've had a rash in my family with some COVID stuff and uh, truth of the matter is it's hurt certain people worse than others. I just was blessed and it hasn't really bothered me that much. Still feeling kind of have a hard time tasting stuff. Oh, so you did end up um, getting it just because you get the, you know, just because you come up positive doesn't mean you have it. Yeah, well, right. So I'm assuming I did. I mean, I had like a day of aches and flu-like symptoms. Then I felt good and was mostly it felt drainy and sinusy. And the wife has got it, but she's doing better already. She's suffering the same thing I did a little bit. And so you then, lost your uh, sense of taste. Yeah, and I still don't quite have it back yet. So um, just more reason to keep eating the hot and spicy crap. Um, no. <laughs> um. Yeah, no. Yeah. No so, game, yeah. So it's good. It's fine. Uh, most people that get it get mild symptoms. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um. Let's move on to like a little bit of gaming news. Uh, I'm sure everybody's heard a little bit of this. Uh, Hickman and Weiss of Dragonlance fame have sued Watsy for a breach of contract. Um. We got the link there, and uh, we'll have them in the show notes this time. Actually, right, Joe? Yes, we will. Sweet. So, did you get a chance to read about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, it's kind of interesting. A little bit of drama. Yeah, it's weird. It seems like um, I listened to, uh, uh, I think it's called Talking Crit at uh, Eric Tinkar's Tavern um, podcast, and uh, they went through some of the ideas, and I read the website. I read on, on a couple of websites about it. Um, seems like uh, basically they had uh, agreed in 2017 for Weiss and Hickman to make three more novels. And then I want to say it was last year. And again, I don't know all the details off the top of my head, but they had changed the team that was overseeing them. And they kept having lots of rewrites, you know, to satisfy inclusivity and all the other SJW crap. And I think uh, even though uh, Weiss and Hickman both did it, they, you know, they wrote it, rewrote it and stuff. Watsy finally came back and said, hey, uh, we're not going to breach the contract, but we're not going to be... Um, okay in any more rewrites or drafts basically trying to put them in limbo and i think weiss and hickman said yeah that's not going to happen yeah that's and, that's uh, uh, they said we're not going to breach your contract but we're breaching your contract <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's it sounds like but from what i've heard it's 
all from the Weiss and Hickman camp. So who knows how it'll end? Numbers like $10 million have been bandied about. Um, but uh, some of the, I so like Tinkar and his crew are talking. They think it's more likely to be a little bit less and probably get settled out of court because, you know, Watsi doesn't need any more bad publicity after their Orion Black and all that other crap they're running into, you know, recently with their supposed like, oh, old D and D stuff is all racist and sexist and homophobic and all that crap. So yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was never a big. You weren't a big Dragonlance guy, were you? They were okay. But I didn't read all of them. I read some of them. But, uh, you know, when I was reading this article myself, I didn't read the whole thing. I just got the highlights. Oh. So I didn't get the uh, um, the part where the rewrites had something to do with the, you know, they had to rewrite it so that they could avoid accusations themselves of racism well, or sexism. Well, I didn't well, know I that. I believe that was the implications that Hickman and Weiss were saying was because Watsy had so much trouble and they brought in new people to oversee them. Others had been overseeing them before. And apparently these, I mean, I don't know. I, I this is just hearsay, but you know, right. these were super woke people and they were not going to approve anything and it got stupid. And I don't know if this is true, if this is true that they're screwing over Hickman and Weiss and, and if they're breaching the contract, I say they should have to pay them out. Sure thing. I mean, I, sure thing. It's stupid. I mean, I, I remember I really... reading them. They they had plenty of strong female characters um, within the the game world or the the world the book world of Dragonlance. There was yeah. a broad representation of lots of different kinds of people. Um, I don't think I've ever read a fantasy book that you could seriously lodge those kinds of complaints and i've read conan books i've read i've uh, read listened to re-listened to um um the john carter of mars which is i know it's sci-fi but it's essentially fantasy yeah oh it's well it's what dnd one of many books that dnd is based on come on it's big and and there are several races within um that um, world, uh, the uh, John Carter, the Mars uh, Chronicles, uh, the Mars books, um, but there's not none of it's uh, racist exactly. They just they are just in conflict with each other. Well, Joe, they rule over different regions. I, I think the problem is um, you haven't really allowed a sensitivity reader to read those books for you and tell you what you're missing. That's a thing. <laughs> Dude, a sensitivity no. reader. Boom. You're talking the money. Oh, yeah. Man. So they've been reading. <laughs> well, that's what they did with. I don't know. It's a. <laughs> I don't so get it. Dumb. I have no idea if this is part. I'm sure it's part of Watsy's deal. They're paying penance. So they got to, you know, kiss the butts of all the all the woke crowd and stuff. But um, I don't know. For, for a moment there, I'll be honest with you. And again, we don't know. This is hearsay and get in conjecture. We don't know right, for right, sure. But right. But I mean, if this was it, if this is the reason, you know what I actually wish? I wish Hasbro would shut Watsy down. Oh, sure. That's my honest. I, I wish they would just shut them down. And I really don't care what happens to D&D. Well, I mean, there's, not, there's another part of all that. And that's something that, that Hasbro could do. Or they could step in and say, you guys are all fired. We're going to replace you with other executives who can handle this better. 
Uh, right. But uh, I don't know if they if that's something they do or if the contract they have with if the situation they have with Watsi allows them to do that. But uh, no business wants controversy because it's bad for sales. Oh yeah. Depending on the controversy. It used to right. be said that any kind of press is good press. Right. So, yeah. who well, knows? You know, I, yeah, I do kind of wonder if, I don't know, how many people that are fully engaged in, you know, supreme wokitude and stuff really care that much about D&D. And what I mean by that, they care that they want to kind of go in there and poop all over it and say, oh, you know, it was racist back in the day and we're going to make a new D&D that's so inclusive and wonderful. But I don't think they really care about the game. I really no, don't. I mean, why don't they just make a different game? Well, yeah, it's like right. it's this like a lot of things though. They they're not there's not enough of them that are capable of making their own thing, so they've got to get into a different uh, to a thing that's like what they would like it to be, and then change it. Yeah, it's yeah. like that in movies. It's like in in, in most media. In all the comic, the comic books, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they had to ruin everything. Yeah, I get it. So they can't have, have their own stuff everything. because their own stuff is crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, if, uh, if that's all, uh, I'm sure it'll all work out. I'm sure Hickman and Weiss will get paid. I mean, something's going to happen there. There's no way Watsy could probably get away with this. I don't think. But well, if they're again, guilty of breaching their contract, I hope Hickman and Weiss get some good money. Me too. So then the only other thing I found on the news that I really want to talk about is this uh, new alternate D&D setting, Nazi Dracula Must Die. And it's been a while since I read it, but I think the Kickstarter is doing pretty well. I uh, honestly found it a whole lot less than interesting. Um, I don't really, really even know, you know what I even want to say about it. I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. You play these uh, freedom fighters, I think, during the World War II era, and they have new classes and stuff that are kind of like from what I can gather, regular people, but you have powers and stuff. I don't know. It just, I just put it on there because I thought it sounded kind of wow, but it doesn't really interest me. Did you spend much time looking at it? Well, I looked at a, uh, a couple of videos. There's a promo video out for it, mm-hmm. and they did a really good job. It's got a really high uh, production quality on the, oh. uh, the video. It seems like the folks involved in the artwork are really, they're pretty good. Oh, cool. Um, good deal. Uh, so they're pretty good at the art and they're pretty good at um, spreading out. Uh, how do I say this? It's very inclusive in the art. Oh, okay. But when I looked at it, I had to stop myself because I'm, I don't want to be overly critical in that because if uh, if that's what they want to do, they're yeah. making they're making their own thing, right? Which is do what it. we want. We yeah. want people to make their own things. And if it's yeah. good, if it's good, it's good, whether it's right. all inclusive or not. I mean, I'm not right. against inclusivity per se, no. but it's just uh, from the point of, you know, forcing your hand. But yeah. uh, you got some folks right. that have made their own thing. Let's see how it does. Yeah. The yeah. art's good. I don't know yeah, about okay. the rest, but I'm not going to support it because I'm not supporting many uh, Kickstarters these days, but in general, so. Yeah. 
But, Not a lot of stuff I really want to spend my money on much anymore now, but right. I don't know. I keep my finger on the pulse, kind of look, but this one just didn't really grab me, even from the title. It's good to see that they're doing their own thing, and I'm fine with it. Um, anyway, anything else new from you, news-wise, you saw, Joe? I got nothing. Nothing else that, that we could that's worthy of talking, I think. Okay. I don't think. I mean. Well, let's move on to the main topic. Main uh, topic. Handling PC death. Okay. I know you've never experienced a character actually dying, so this will be hard for you to think about. Oh, yeah, none. <laughs> I haven't had a single character, let alone 150 over the course of a weekend. <laughs> hey, it was barely 100. Come on. Yeah, something like that. I lost count. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to actually dig into our old brains here on the first question, okay? So thinking about PC death and handling it, we got a variety of things we want to talk about, of course. Um, you've obviously had some PCs die. Are oh, yeah. there any that you truly cared about? And did it matter more because you had nurtured them to quote-unquote high level, or was it something else? Um, to high level? Not no, a I'm lot. Um, okay. So, uh, so my long-standing old character, Volsivar, he died, oh, yeah. um, but he really didn't stay dead. No. So it's hard, when you're in the high levels, it's kind of hard to keep you down. Yeah. But um, I suppose uh, with uh, lots of one-shots or short-run campaigns, it was hard to get them to high level or invest a whole lot in them. True. Um, but I would say, apart from Volsivar, um, I haven't nurtured that many characters to high level. Uh, a right. few. But not, they didn't die. Like I, um, when I was living in DC, uh, I had uh, Billy, yeah, the halfling cleric, and he got to twentieth level, I think. Mm -hmm. um, definitely high level, eighteenth or uh, eighteen plus. Uh, but the campaign ended uh, before, and he didn't die. Right. Um, and. I guess there's well, he didn't die either though. The the one character um, in your uh, oh, what's the name of the Seven Spheres? The Seven Spheres oh, campaign. Oh yeah, yeah. He kinda did because the whole can the whole universe campaign, the campaign right. um, cosmology changed, right? And he was a key part of that. So kind of, he went away, but it was but he, in his yeah. story. So it wasn't a big deal. It was yeah. kind of cool how it ended. Yeah. Well, he, they kind of ascended to kind of super godhood type thing. And right. Right. Nurturers of, of planes and stuff. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Um, that's interesting because when I think about this, um, the only character that I can think about, well, I got two that have died in my, and we're focusing on D and D because that's mainly what we've played, but the one that I remember that I cared about, my first character was Khan. He was a wizard and he was chaotic evil. And I think I only cared because I wanted to screw everybody in the party over. <laughs> that was back that in the was good old days. That was big in the day. Because it was, it was but, the WWF. But uh, in the Elysium campaign, when Penty died, and the, th the reason I, I was okay with that is I got to decide that. Right? Because we got to tell our characters, our glaives got to tell their, you know, you decided whether you wanted to survive or not. 
and I told Phil, hey, I want Pinty to die saving people. Right. And so that's what he, that's what he did. I didn't really play it out. So that was kind of a cool way to see him go out as a hero that nobody thought he was. So that was pretty fun. Right. <clears throat> but um, he didn't get to high level. Oh, no. Dude, he was barely seventh, I think. So, right. Yeah. Some would consider that high, but. Yeah, that's interesting, too. I think, yeah. and some people would even consider, I mean, I don't know if, do characters have to be high level? And we ain't got to stick just to D&D, but do characters have to be high level for their death to, oh, man, that really sucked. I really like that dude. No, I mean, as long as you spend enough time playing with them, I guess. Well, be, here's the other, yeah. here's another piece of that, though. Um, let's say we're talking three, thir- uh, third edition or Pathfinder, and uh, you spent hours upon hours crafting your character, because it can take that long, and then pouring over the books to decide how you're going to level him up when when the time comes. Um, You could feel some loss if you die right away, if the character dies right away. And that's... What is that? That... um, that can be something. Uh, that's not lost. For, that's not lost for the character, is it? As much as it is for your time invested. Right. Well, it depends. I mean, you could have worked out a whole backstory and and all of these oh, things. True. I mean, it depends on on. I mean, if it, it's just a mechanical searching, uh, the the chat the um online groups for good builds and combos and whatnot. That's one thing, but. Uh, Depends on how much you invest in you, your character when you create it and how much you get to play it. Um, yeah. Well, here's an interesting question, too. So um, when a character does die, and again, most of our examples are D&D. That's mainly what we play, but it can be anything. Does it matter um, if he dies at the end of a session, mid-session, I mean, or maybe even at the end of a campaign? I mean, personally, I would think the end of a campaign would be okay, because then you kind of go out swinging. Correct. Um, well, <clears throat> dying in the middle of a session can be a, can be a pain. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. Especially if you don't have something, a different character uh, lined up, or there and there's no chance at. Uh, restoration or resurrection or whatever is needed depending on your game system game system yeah um, dying say, at the end of a session isn't so bad yeah in the middle of a campaign it can be a, a bit of a can be a little jarring but it depends on um, the circumstances probably yeah um, it could be in the middle of this, the campaign you've decided that your character is not as not all that and you and the in the DM or GM work out a way for him to go out in a blaze of glory or or some other circumstance, cool and then you have something in the wings. But if it's like um, unexpected, um, fate of the die, you make a bad decision or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it can be it can be a little harsh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess for me um, as a GM, I really um, if we connect this to the additions of D and D and old school D and D, or heck, even I would say, Thirteenth Age as well in Savage Worlds. If you die mid session, you can get a character made pretty quick. Yeah. If you go from scratch, if you're playing Pathfinder or Third Edition, 
let's say everybody's ninth level, you're probably out for the night. Right. I mean, unless you just happen to have a ninth level dude sitting around. Right. Or something reasonable. Eighth level would be all right. Yeah. You know, one yeah. one level difference isn't a big deal. That's an interesting question. You brought that up. I didn't have it on my uh, outlines, but speaking of that, when someone, a character does die, you remember the old, the old school rules. We, we always thought if you died, you had to start over at first level, no matter what. Oh yeah. That's old school. You die, you go <laughs> back to first level. And, uh, these days, <laughs> I know that's, I mean, and I used to think that was just part of, that's how you did it. Never even gave real thought about how ridiculously stupid that would be. If you're playing, got five players and they're all 15th level and your character dies and you're first level. You're like, what am I? I'm, I'm the farm boy that takes care of your castle. I mean, I can't, can't go on an adventure with you. Right. Right. Um, It's a, it would be interesting to try to, um, do something like that with three third edition or pathfinder or even fifth edition. Yep. Your character dies, and oh, we got to bring in first level. Sucks to be you. <laughs> Hide behind the fighter, <laughs> yeah, unless you're the fighter. <laughs> yeah, I would say some games are more manageable. Like I think in Savage World, starting over at novice, even if everybody else is veteran, yeah, you're you're kind of you're not nearly as good as them, but you can still kind of hold your own. Oh, sure bit, can. You know, so it's not it's not that bad to start over as a beginner. Um, and Thirteenth Age don't. isn't as bad. Well, I don't know. You get too much of a level gap, the damage becomes ridiculous. Correct, but it, at it, least it as jumps in chunks. Yeah, at first level, yeah, you'd be you wouldn't be doing a lot of damage because you're definitely just doing a die usually. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, well, even think about the difference between an eighth level character and say a fourth level character. Eighth level's doing eight d eight plus his modifier times three. Right. And. Uh, Fourth level characters doing, gosh, what is it? Forty-eight plus plus his modifier. Yeah, that's going to be that's, that's significant. It's significant, but it, you're not doing nothing. It's not nothing. But you're probably not hitting a whole lot without a whole lot of help on the high end of the escalation die. Right, right, right. So yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about types of death, and this is something I stole from the Angry GM. Uh, this is a website, a guy that's been on the internet for a while now, but uh, he uh. He, he separated deaths into kind of three types. And he was doing a little tongue-in-cheek, but I thought it was kind of right. He called it basically the idea of what you would say is, you know, fair fair deaths and then unfair. And kind of he separated those a little bit. The, the I can't remember if he called it class one, class, whatever. The first one, the fair one, is basically based on player poor choices and fairly rolled deaths in combat where the players agree, oh, man. I shouldn't have made that decision and, or man, I rolled like crap and died versus death where like, uh, and this is interesting that he said this, um, being targeted, a PC being targeted by a lot of attacks and then feeling like, man, why did the dragon keep attacking me? Or if he was targeted by a save or die sort of effect where one save kills you. He, he, he seemed to label that in the unfair grouping, but he did end up coming around to saying that, you know, in the end, you know, death is just on the table. Um, but, uh, and then of course the last one was GM Fiat, you know, rocks fall and everybody dies. So the idea is player choices, sort of picking on a player or having to make a single save to save or die. 
and then a GM just saying, I'm killing you because, well, your name's Joe, and I need to kill five more of your wizards this week. Yeah, well, <laughs> having uh, uh, experienced that, I would say <laughs> nobody wants to be on the losing end of that proposition. Um, no. Yeah. Um, if you have, uh, if your character dies because of just bad rolls or bad choices, okay, well, you got to live with that. Or not, depending on the system. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of, kind of goes along with an earlier point. We, I think we kind of glossed over a little bit uh, yeah. with death being on the table at all should death oh, exist yeah. at all for the characters yeah and i know some people say no yeah, some people will question. not want it at all right. the possibility um that you might lose your character and i think that does come a, a little bit from what i was saying earlier about with third edition pathfinder the amount of time that you devote to character creation and level planning and all that it's very time consuming or can be and i think um, that people feel cheated if you bring a character that you spent so much time crafting uh to the table and you could just lose it by the whim of a die or maybe the the dm has having a bad day and kills everybody yeah i, I would agree that the last part is definitely unfair um right i don't know i'm torn on the whole saber save or suck or save or die spells, I guess because it's always been a part of the game less. So I know Pathfinder mitigated third edition a little bit with that. And I don't know what fourth did. And fifth has very few save or dies. It's usually save or take a lot of damage. I think you can die. It's, I don't know. I can't quite remember, but I don't know. I, I kind of hate the idea of them not being a power word kill. I kind of hate the idea of there not being a, you know, disintegrate spell where if you spell your save, you're dead. But, um, right. I guess I, I, I get, I, I kind of get both sides. Yeah. Um, me too. the idea of having a game world in which there is danger, um, and having a, uh, a power that a caster could have to just cause you to have us have to save or die seems harsh. But it probably depends on other things besides that one thing. Um, yeah. What do you mean? I'm not sure what you mean by that, that other thing. Okay. Besides. So there exists in certain editions of the game, save or die spells. Yes. But um, you coming face to face with a creature or a person that could cast that involves a lot of perhaps missteps or bad judgment calls on your part or um, not being cautious, or it could, it could be the DM. You just, you turn the corner and there's a Bodak. Yeah. Save, save or die. I, I can't imagine a DM who would do that. That just seems like some major BS. Yeah. So the, the walls <laughs> on, on the, uh, the dungeon, the dungeon walls are all flowers and rainbows. And then you turn the corner. It's all darkness. There's a Bodak you save. <laughs> don't save and then you die no warning hi <laughs> i think i even killed a character once like a thief was checking around was that you who just died no one knew, and they didn't know you were dead for the longest time it's you possible it's and i think possible. you and you didn't know either because i wouldn't tell you what happened <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so like you <laughs> oh 
Oh, gee. That was not cool. It's hilarious, but it was not cool. So, um, <laughs> yeah. oh, man. But so should death, it's also death, a thing where if everybody is at the table is aware that of how the game works and that there exist situations where your character can just get 86 I don't well, think any, know, anybody should be crying about it. No, I don't either. I think players, have, I think it's something you should agree upon. I mean, I'll say the dreaded word out of session zero, but you should agree that death is definitely a thing that can happen. Now, whether you want life to be cheap or not, it's different. But like, I like in 13th age, how you can, as a DM, you can telegraph, you know, they have that fleeing mechanic and I could tell players, look, when you go into the uh, evil necromancers ritual uh, ritual room, uh, the fleeing mechanic is off. Right. Right. It's, it's off the right. table. Because it's like so, in the movies where you come into a room and all the exits uh, are are suddenly barred and locked. You hear a bunch of clicking yeah. and there's no yeah. one running from this. <laughs> and, 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 well, I'm saying and it doesn't have to be that you're locked in there. I'm just saying, look, I'm not going to let you just flee. Right. You're going right. to have to get away if you get in deep poo-poo. Right. So, oh, uh, right. It's not just right. going to be, yeah, you yeah. get away. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just saying, because, you know, when, like in, in most of the, 13th age games, most encounters, the group can decide to flee. Everybody lives, but they take a campaign loss. Right. Now, what you could you could do, and I'd be okay with this, a group say, Wow, really? Well, we're gonna we're gonna go back and recoup this. I'm okay, but if you leave now, you're taking a campaign loss. Even because you're fleeing before you actually encounter the necromancer in his lair or whatever the word is. Right. So I guess I guess to me that's that's an okay thing to do. I'm actually, and again, I guess it basically with the group, I think I think me personally too much death, unless we know that's what it's going to be like, unless we're going to try to emulate old school D&D and say, look, guys, life. And I can see a fun campaign. Life is cheap. People die. You know, don't be shocked if your first three characters are dead. I mean, you're going to need a little bit of luck right. and a little and a lot of strategy because, you know, it's it's deadly out there. Right. So <clears throat> that'd be OK as long as the group's down with it. I think that'd be OK. Yeah. As long as everybody's on the same page, there shouldn't be too much moaning. You might say, oh, crap, I can't believe that. Bad, right. bunch of bad roles and whatnot. Right. Um, speaking of fantasy and death, of course, the next thing that has to come up is resurrection magic. Right. So uh, your general thoughts on resurrection magic? Well, I just think it depends on what kind of game you're trying to run. I mean, if no, it's okay. if you're if you're um, if you're up into the epic fantasy, this this traditional D&D type game. It's on the table. If you're trying to, trying for a more gritty, dark and gritty, yes, uh, our favorite um, type of setting, then you probably don't want it. Or at least make it really hard, like a right. quest or something. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You might even still have a high fantasy <clears throat> game without resurrection. It's just a, it's kind of a staple of the of of gaming that's been there for forever. And Not much of a staple of fantasy, though, is it? I mean, I've well, read a few fantasy a gaming, few... fantasy gaming. Yeah, right. Not and necessarily fantasy not, literature. It's really rare. Even Gandalf right. was just once. Right. Yeah. Though, considering what Gandalf was, anything that killed his physical body on on uh, Earth wasn't going to permanently kill him. Right, he was like an angel, right? An angel most, creature. For all intents and purposes, yeah. yeah. An, an angel holding back most of his power. Only let little bits eke out now and again. Death only annoyed him a little bit. Right. 
So just a side note here. So if we were to say, hey, Joe, we're, we're, we're getting to a fantasy game. Get ready. Come, come on over, you and Jen, get the game together, four or five of us. We're going to play some sweet D&D type action. If I said, hey, what do you want as far as like death and resurrection? What would you say to that? Honestly, I wouldn't care. Oh, you have no preference. If I said this I is going to really be... don't. Um, um, if um, I would go with the group uh, on 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 the majority, whatever the majority said, because um, I can play with it being gritty or not. I kind of I don't. I, it's not like I would want us to have uh, access to resurrection magic in the game right off. Right. Um, I think I would feel better. If it was challenging and high, a challenge, uh, a challenge to get it in the first place, and probably at least mid level before you could right. even do it, unless um, you were low. If you were low level and did it, you'd have to go somewhere else to an outs to a an ally or a, it would be a quest or something like that. Right. Um. So talking about like trying to mitigate death here, because resurrection does that obviously. And a lot of people have the feeling that resurrection is a little bit cheap and stuff. But you remember in Dark Sun, we had that whole uh, folder full of characters they suggested that you should have. That is, do you feel like when you have a a stable of characters, do you think that helps mitigate or ease death? It could. You could even um, not necessarily just have a stable. I, I think they suggested three or four. I can't remember what the number was. I think it was three back in second edition, yeah. Right. And, uh, you could even go the whole, um, once you get to a certain level, you could go the whole having a gaggle of retainers type of uh, oh, yeah. situation. Except except they're not all going to be evil. So, uh, <laughs> apart from that. Are you uh, sure, Joe? I think they are. I think that's part of the rules. I don't think so. I think uh, that is in your imagination. <laughs> it's going to be in my rule. Whenever I write my version of D&D, that's the rules. All retainers and allies are actually oh. secretly oh. evil, chaotic, evil well, assassins. Well, considering the fact that we're doing that together, I think that that won't happen. Joseph, don't you dare rewrite my rewrite. I will. I know. Anyway, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's probably a couple of ways you could do it. You could even do the whole... Uh, I'm not sure what game system it's in, uh, but instead of dying, you're unconscious. Yeah, well, there's a couple that do that. I know that. Um, oh, hold on. Let me think. Unless here. it's something. Tr I mean, if uh, within the game, a boulder falls from a mile up and you get squished, <laughs> that's one thing. But if it's just some, you know, combat. Uh, I think in certain, like I think in, yeah, I think in Thirteenth Age, I want to say that oh, who is it? Heinsu and I'm not blanking on the other writer. Who's the other writer of Thirteenth Age, Joe? That's your. Rob that's Hunt. yours. That's that's uh that's on you, dude. I don't remember. <clears throat> I never remember it, their names. Oh man, I can't believe. Anyway, he said that you know he kind of steals. I think it's from he steals the. Jonathan Tweet. That's who it is. Jonathan Tweet. He said, um, Tweet. Is that right? That sounds right. Anyway, uh, he said he likes to only let PCs die at the hands of a named villain. 
or a real villain. So if you get beat down by a mook or someone that's not a major player in the story, you just fall unconscious, you know? And so that would be an interesting way to run a high fantasy game. Just say you can only be killed by, you know, the big boss or the big bosses, you know, his couple of his, you know, major minions. Otherwise, if you get beat down, you're not dead, dead. You're just unconscious. Right. But two, I think that might, I don't know. I don't know how he runs it, but if it's the whole uh, thing like in Lord of the Rings, when Mm -hmm. Frodo gets stabbed, everybody thinks he's dead, Mm. but he ends up having the um, elven chain on. Yeah. And um, so he was saved. Right. But they didn't know until after, you know, all the dust had settled. Uh, I don't think you can have that too done too many times before it kind of gets old hat. So it's hokey. Yeah. Hokey. Right. Yeah. I think you have to be careful. I don't think that's how he does it. I think it's just basically if you get knocked to zero or or whatever, you're down. You're just out. Right. Right. You're down. Yeah. But you're not dead. But you, um, I guess, I guess that's one way to do it. And then you just have a big bandaid on your head whenever you after you know, whenever all the dust (laughs) is settled. Yeah. Okay. What about games outside of fantasy? So think about the games like, you know, the science fiction game we played at Cabin Con, superhero games, which really don't lend themselves. If you're playing four color, I'm not sure if death is on the table, but Deadlands, you know, any kind of game that's not a true sword and sorcery, D&D clone fantasy. What do you think about death there? Do you have a different opinion on how? Well, it depends on the, the system. So, with Deadlands, uh, <laughs> that pretty much lends itself to dead is dead. <laughs> I think so too. Um, it's a western. Well, except you can be harrowed. Dead is not really dead. Right. Actually, I, you I can come back. About the harrowed thing. You can. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not common. No. But did you know? Side note: you can actually start out as a harrowed now. Right. I've that. seen that uh, rule. Yeah. Which is pretty, I actually like that. That's pretty cool. Cause I never had anybody play a Herald character. There's a, pr- there's a couple of good Westerns out with, uh, that sort of, um, um, uh, character in it. Um, uh, Pell yeah. Ryder, he was essentially Harold. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, and there's an older one. I don't know if he was supposed to be a vampire or whatever. It all happened in the daylight. So who knows? Right. But, um, Right, so I've seen a couple of couple of uh, westerns where the 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 good guy, quote unquote, was um, like the pale rider character, um, mm. supposed to be dead, but not really. Dude, speaking on speaking of westerns, you have Prime. Do you have Prime Video, Amazon Prime? Yes. Dude, check out the movie Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk. Kurt Russell. And several others are in it. It's got a real Deadlands vibe to it. Um, it's um, <clears throat> the writing could be better, and it's got a couple of really gruesome scenes. But it's got a real kind of—I don't know—it just feels kind of Deadlandsy. It's not super like extreme supernatural, but I thought it was pretty good. So it's Kurt Russell, and it. it can't be too bad. No, nah, he's he's pretty good. And who else is in it? Um, you'll recognize some people. I can't think of their name, uh, but everybody in here, like, wow, I know that dude. I know that dude. Right. There's so many folks that have such a familiar face. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I guess for me, uh, in games outside of fantasy, I think it does really depend on the genre. If I'm running a four-color superheroes, no death. But when we ran uh, Necessary Evil, I don't know. I just felt like death should have been an option there because. Well, yeah, there was um, the whole back. Yeah, the, the setting, the backstory, a lot of the all the superheroes were dead. Mm-hmm. So death seems to be there. Yeah. Yeah. You're bad guys anyway, so if you die, no yeah, loss. True. Okay, now this is an interesting one. So, um, um, what do you think are some of the best death mechanics you've seen in the game? Now, I listed a handful. Um, do you want me to read through the handful that I listed? No, no, I'm looking at them. Uh, okay. Well, what do for you me, simplest is the best. Ah, okay. Um, so, apart from old school where you reach, you go negative one, you're dead. Right. Everything since then has been more complicated. Um, yes. And so um, I would say, what, what did I have? Um, reach zero, you're out or dead, depending on your, you know, genre or your table rules or the, the setting or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be, to me, the best. Just simple. But that's me. Yeah, I'm. Believe it or not, I like the. You know, these days, I guess it's nostalgia or what, but I do long for simplicity. I honestly think zero hit points, you should be dead. That would make people think more carefully when they're down low in a D and D style game. But I do understand the death save in games like Thirteenth Age, Fourth and Fifth Edition, though I think it's probably too easy. Um, I think the flea mechanic is something I would add in there to most fantasy games I would play. Uh, I guess for my money, though, I guess I would just prefer zero hit points. You're dead. It's also easier to explain to a new person. Right. Oh, I got zero. I'm dead. Yeah, you're dead. I think the only thing I would add to that is to say at zero, you're down. Okay. And then whatever you think is a good amount of rounds, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure. This is something I'm just thinking of right now. Sure. As kind of like, in like in a video game, you'd have this little bubble over your character, your little tunes um, uh, graph graphic. Both of our is dying. Right, and it would be a countdown from some number. Um, so three, four, five, whatever. And then as long well, as know, somebody can get to you within a certain amount of time, it could only be it could even be just one. But yeah. it could be two or three, or four mm-hmm. or whatever. And if you're reached within that amount of time with some to stabilize you from D and D or mm-hmm. some kind of healing magic or something, some kind of intervention will keep you from bleeding out. So that yeah, would I mean, probably be okay. And that would be easy to explain as well. You reach zero, you're down. If someone gets to you within X amount of rounds, you can be saved. Yeah. And, and I can't remember this, but I wrote it down. Wasn't it in second edition that negative 10 was death and once you hit zero, you'd lose one hit point per round until you were stabilized or you were dead? Yeah, yeah. Was that, was that second edition? There, uh, it might have been. There was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, for me, some of the problems I have with 13th Age and 4th and 5th edition, and and I guess I have a problem with it because I feel like I have to be encouraged to pick on players. If a player goes down, I almost feel like to make, to make life feel dangerous – I should attack a player when he's down. Right. You know, yeah, because they're not necessarily dead. You know that, you know, that as a DM, 
-hmm. And considering, I mean, you could say within the within the the world of the game that nobody really knows that, but that's kind of weird. Agreed. And um, because we don't know that. I mean, we know that in the real world, when someone is right. laying on the ground, they're not necessarily dead. Right. Because you can see them breathing. But in the middle of combat, would a creature... Well, you know, there are some creatures like the owlbear and stuff and ghouls and stuff. They'll begin eating a, a character as soon as they go down. Right, right. And try to take off with them. Right. And you probably should push that to make certain creatures, you know, seem more terrifying. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I guess it's kind of funny to me that, you know, I've had some experiences. I don't know if you remember in the – this is a way back trip. We played uh, Rise of the Rune Lords, Pathfinder, many, many years ago. And do you recall uh, – Trombley, Greg, uh, Trombley, our friend, he had a paladin who I hit with a, a giant hit him. And then I had a second attack and I critted him on the first and I knocked him well into negatives. And then I was going to hit him again and it would have like killed, killed him. And he's like, Hey, I'm already down. Why are you doing that? Like, and, and I'm not knocking, you know, Trombley for it, but, um, I thought it was interesting that, you know, he got upset cause I was about to attack him again and I, and I didn't do it. I backed off. I thought it seemed reasonable, but I kind of wonder if maybe, it would have made more sense for that giant to turn him into paste. Well, it depends. <clears throat> if if the I think if the giant has got other people to worry about, he probably once he sees he's knocked someone down, he probably will spread the wealth. And that was his argument, and I was fine with it. I just yeah. wasn't really thinking at the moment. I don't know. Sometimes I think if death is on the table, but yet we never really kill anybody, a la 13th age, and I, I must be doing something wrong because I'm not killing anybody in 13th age. Um, You're getting soft. Yeah, I mean, getting soft mode. I just don't know what the point is. I mean, why even have death on the table if nobody, if they're going to make mechanics? And I really think 13th age characters, I, I'm guessing fourth, but I don't know much. Fifth edition characters, they're very hard to kill. Right. They just don't die very easily, especially once they get to, you know, fourth, fifth level. It's just pretty much not going to happen. Right. So I don't know. That feels that feels if, if we're going to have death as a real thing, then I don't know if we should build mechanics like that into the game. I think it's sim the simpler, the better. Yeah, me too. Having it at zero, I mean, there's no question. I have yeah. this many hit points, but, you know, I can take this much damage more. Blah, 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 blah. It's a, right. Really, you're I'm, literally not functioning at all, but you can take more damage. Right. Mm, right. OK, I don't get that. So, okay. yeah. yeah, death at zero, I think, is best, or or just you're down. Yeah. And then, depending on circumstances, you might have a few more rounds before you bleed out. That makes sense. Unless well, you're hit with an effect, like disintegrate, you know, a disintegrate yeah. effect that specifically says if you save, if you, fa if you fail your save, you're instantly dead then it doesn't matter. Hit points don't matter. Right. I mean, I know more different versions of that spell have it worked out different so that you take X amount of damage, and if that damage happens to bring you below zero, then you're a pile of fine dust. It's a little blunted, yeah. but... I think the death stay, which I believe is 10 or higher in both 13th Age and 5v, <clears throat> I think it does lend itself to you having longer lasting campaigns i mean clearly in 13th age you have to worry too much about losing a lot of characters halfway through the campaign and you got all a brand new party trying to do the same old quest so i guess that's 
I guess there is one advantage to that death save mechanic where you have to make, you know, three saves in a row and or get three saves before you get three fails or something like that. Yeah, I think there's there's more to it too. I believe um some of it comes from when your character is out, you don't have anything to do. Yeah, understood. So let's give you something to do while your compatriots are trying to figure out how to, you know, get you some CPR or a big Band-Aid or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, it's... I it's, get that, but... Sometimes it feels a little, I don't know, off. The soft game. Oh, well. Anything else you have on uh, death, man? I think I'm kind of done. I'm I'm good with death. <laughs> Me too, completely. You know, I, you know, I'm good with it. I've always been good with death. Oh yeah, especially, especially of your characters. That's completely fine with me. All right, how about a cabin con moment then? This works out good. Yeah. Well, you know, I thought I would uh, keep the theme going. In our campaign, which we talked about the last time or the time before that it ended, the Elysium campaign, many years. Uh, death was an interesting thing for us early on when it was just the arena. PC death was just a flesh. In fact, we didn't even worry about it. Yeah. It was just bring bring your character back. You'd bring the same character back. I thought he was killed. Yeah, who cares? Because it right. was just a, a tournament. We're trying to play competitively. Right. Um, and unless I'm wrong, I think when we turned it into a true campaign where we thought about that, I think my character, the half-orc paladin, was killed by John. Um, John uh, T. And we went on a quest for black razor and I got killed by some, like, I want to say it was a, it was an ogre mage with black razor. I think he started out in the form of a halfling. <laughs> he kicked the crap out of us and my guy finally died. And Oh, that Oh, kinda, Oh, Oh, you, yeah. you remember that? I think you I, played in that. You and Phil both. I I'm, if I'm remembering that situation, <laughs> John was the DM, right? On the last day of cabin con that year. Yeah. Yep. That was the last time I think he came to Captain Con due to whatever circumstances. But. Yeah, maybe so, yeah. And then we had the whole discussion, and we brought it back to the group, remember, about the idea of oh, what, yeah. true death or not. And we had, like, a big, like... It was a brouhaha. <laughs> well, I mean, there are guys that... Well, there are guys on two different, uh, two different sides of the story. There were some who were like, man, I don't like the idea of my character dying. And we were playing 3.5 Pathfinder then, and they made good points. I've been invested in this character for five years. And I'm like, okay, but I don't know. It just felt kind of like weak sauce to me. Right. That's what I was saying earlier. They were very invested. People get very invested in their character. And it feels cheap. And I think that some of some people, well, I, different people had a different level of investment in um, making sure their character was effective within the um, scope of the campaign. Right. And uh, so I think they maybe they felt, um, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how they felt. It just seemed uh, some people didn't want their characters to have the, they didn't want to have to worry about their characters dying. They just wanted to exist within the Elysium umbrella where in the arena, uh, you didn't you didn't truly die. You just were unconscious and woke up with a big Band-Aid on your head. 
Well, remember the uh, it was the milk bath. We kind of stole that from Wanted. Yes. Angelina Jolie and McAvoy. Yeah. And uh, we had the milk bath. We all woke up on it, and that made it kind of cool and palatable. But I think, well, who was really the big one? I think me, you, and Phil were kind of like, you know, you really should be able to die. Right. So the, the idea that- came from uh, having. So people started getting a little tired of uh, PC against PC arena mm-hmm. battles. So they right. wanted to have adventures outside of that environment, but still have the same milk bath, no dying type of um, thing. So, right. Uh, right. So it was, it was a combination of, of things. And I think we just, and at first we were like, okay, we're going to have a true death scenario. And I ran a couple, but most people weren't down with it. I'm trying to remember, where did the Banshee incident come in? I know Phil wanted to see, someone had died and he was like, man, he told me, he goes, Randy, you got to run an adventure where we can kill where some of the characters die. We got to make this campaign really. Yeah, that happened after, I believe. So we had this discussion at Cabin Con. Yeah. And then the, the Banshee incident happened um, just as a, um, a thing leading up to, well, it was toward the end of that year. I think it was near, yeah, maybe, I think event. it was either before, just before or just after Thanksgiving. Yeah. And we, um, right. So I, I think that, um, that incident happened after that discussion. I think so too. And then, uh, because, it was, I think people were, <clears throat> were introducing ways to have adventures that started off in an arena. Right. And then we're, you would get transported somewhere. We had different wonky ideas about how to do it without um, people feeling their characters were at risk. Right. Um, right. So um, then not too long after that, we started having things happen outside of the arena. I think there were a few times, I think maybe this discussion happened also because you had a few encounters like, okay, we're going to do an arena. Oh, right before you get there though, you get jumped in the alley kind of thing. Right. Some other, some other, some other, uh, what were they called? Other stables. Other stables. They talked our warriors. Yeah. And, um, I think that, Someone, no, no one died as a result of that, but mm-hmm. it occurred to somebody that they could have, and they brought that up, and everybody's like, oh, "No way!" Yeah. yeah. So, so that played into it as well. I think then the Banshee incident happened, and all yeah. bets were off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Phil asked for it, so I brought my A game. Yeah, so, you did. I killed several. I'm surprised I didn't kill Butch. Butch made some great rolls, saved his butt. So, uh, yeah. But it was pretty, pretty intense. Okay. But yeah, that was. Uh, well, if that Butch was, was the only thing facing it, Butch wouldn't have lasted. No, but I mean, we had what? God, there was nine or ten player characters against that thing. Right. So uh, I, I, yeah. And you know how thir- uh, Path, was it Pathfinder at that point? Yeah, I believe so. I believe and, so. And, yeah, there was all kinds of ways for a fighter to get his wisdom save up. You just had to sacrifice certain other things. Yeah, true. Oh, okay. Well, that was, uh, I think that definitely, uh, 
that's that's pretty much our story of death in the Elysium campaign. Mostly it was die in the arena, come back to life. A few of us experienced real death adventures where characters could actually die, but not many of us. It didn't really pan out that way. Right. And I, and I don't think it's like we think that uh, you should uh, fear that every time uh, a mouse says boo to you, you you're going to die. <laughs> right, but right. No. It's more like there are times when it's just you know, bad roll on your part, good rolls on the DM's part, your character loses all their hit points, they're dead. <laughs> True. Well, I wanted to head on real quickly then, uh, moving on to another segment where we talk about uh, if we ever were to make our D&D game, and that would be ours. Uh, one topic that I was, I think we and I, I think we're going to be in agreement on this. Basically, if you see in the show notes, I, or the, in the notes, I said CR sucks. Yes. And I, I don't know if I fully agree with that. I think it's nice to have it, but I don't think DM, I think third edition made us think we should be beholden to balanced en- encounters. And I'm just uh, kind of don't want that in my game. I mean, I, I don't want to try to kill the characters every time, but I want them to be able to bite off more than they can chew and then have consequences for that. Right. Yeah. Um, I think CR uh, has become kind of a, a way, and I'm not sure what they call it in 5th edition, if it's still CR. Yes, they still call it CR. Right. So, level appropriate encounters is where it's gone. So, right. we, you need to have X amount of level appropriate encounters in a session, and then after so many sessions of that many um, level appropriate encounters, you can level up and um, the problem is a level appropriate encounter is usually a guaranteed win yes it's not particularly all that challenging unless uh, you're new uh, or are drunk or something (laughs) because yeah from what I can tell in 13th Age as well, while it depends on who's making the adventure, it seems like level-appropriate encounters in 13th Age can be kind of uh, not that hard. Well, I think um, someone like Dave is – Dave is pretty good at – well, I don't know if he – 13th Age doesn't even enc- encourage you to do level-appropriate encounters. They just say, if you want a good fight, a fair fight, here's one. Then they go on to say, don't be fair. I mean, you shouldn't right. be fair all the time. Right. So they actually encourage that, but that's because – their fair battles, and in my opinion, are pretty weak, meaning right. players can handle it pretty easily. Especially um, with the escalation die. Oh, yeah. Now, some monsters have some abilities. Uh, you know, our buddy Dave, he's not a fan of uh, the hampered condition and a few other abilities he doesn't, uh, conditions he doesn't like, uh, not conditions, but things that he thinks are too powerful. And he's probably right in some sense, but you know what? Sometimes you fight stuff that's powerful. Sure. And you got to learn and you got to learn to respect that, you know, and, and it's okay for characters to flee. I mean, you have that flea mechanic now in our game. And if we were to ever make this game, I think I would have a fleeing mechanic in the game. I would allow players to say, Hey, we uh, started fighting this ogre. We didn't realize it was actually a pit fiend and we should have, uh, we want to get the hell out of Dodge and we want to flee. And I'd be like, okay, you guys can get away, but here's the price you pay. Right. I don't know that there's always you'd always need to have a campaign loss type of thing. It's it depends on if it's a and you don't really do this very much. 
is if it's just a random encounter and things just go south for the characters, right. um, and they're not on a timetable, fleeing mm. shouldn't be all that big of a deal. No, I agree. If it's just like, man, you guys were on like poop and I randomly rolled a dragon, uh, good luck. But I don't, you know, I don't do that. I'm not much for a, I'm you, not too much on random encounters. I no, don't do that much anymore. No. Most of my encounters are planned. Um, yeah. So I guess we're on the same page. Oh, there. sure, sure. Um, um, especially, and I know you do try to evoke uh, where your character, where the characters are at within the, within the, um, setting so yeah. if you're uh, coming upon a nasty lair or there's rumors that this ultra powerful dragon lives in this forest and don't go there mm. we probably shouldn't go there yeah i'm usually not playing around with that right so and you're good about doing that now if you're if you're running somehow just a random dungeon and you turn the corner <laughs> and there's asmodeus yeah, and talking in two different things, but uh, I was just well, oh, you weren't there. I forgot who it was. It was um, Scott, and I want to say Greg, and Phil and me. We went to that game store, and this guy, nice dude. I think I told you this story, but it, it's worth repeating. This was several years back, probably ten. And during the beginning, early days of third edition. And dude's like, yeah, I only run random adventures. I, I just make random encounters. And we run a dungeon. And I'm like, we're like, huh? Okay, we're here. Let's play. And we're playing in the middle of the game. We're in a dungeon, right? Crawling through. Just a dungeon crawl. Nothing tricky. Come into a room. He rolls his dice. And he goes, huh, an aboleth. That doesn't make any sense. And we continue to fight it <laughs> in a room with no one. He goes, that is. And so forever, me and Phil are like, huh. An abolith. That doesn't make any sense. And well, we fought, then we fought an aspect of Narol in the very next room. And I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah, that makes sense. An aquatic <laughs> encounter and then a demonic encounter. Or yeah. And devilish. A, and, I can't remember. Narol? Well, Narol's, um, he's a god, reaper of death. He's like the grim reaper from Greyhawk. So, right. Um, but but his, his aspect, he's the one that nearly killed us. But it was just like... <laughs> Dude's just really randomly rolling, and so it's you know luck of the draw. I'm surprised he didn't actually summon up Orcus and have us fight him. <laughs> right, that wouldn't be fun. Yeah, that would have been a short-lived game. Sure thing. Well, I think we were like sixth level too, so that was rough. I think you can but, do uh, random like that, um, mm -hmm. as long as uh, it's you, everyone at the table is okay with being a little Gonzo, and maybe you like. I did a, um, at Cabin Con, I did a, um, just a one shot. Mm -hmm. And in it, they were, they weren't in an aquatic setting, but they fought some aquatic monsters. Uh, oh. And the way I did it was, um, I can't remember if it was before or after the end of the arena, but I think it was before. And the way I I structured it is that the in the setting of the arena, it's a magical construct, the arena that you went through. So it's sure. all a, a construct. So right. all these creatures, while they're aquatic, um, the substance of that room was such that to you, it felt like you were 
um, it was breathable, but you had felt you felt resistance as if it was water, but you could oh, still okay. breathe. And then right. the monsters that were aquatic acted like they were in water. Oh, okay. So, so a, ma they a magical effect. It's just yeah. a magical effect, and it was it was it's just I did it to make it a, a challenge. Right, and I think that that's the one the guys were talking about. Where is that? Where you had the fake butch fight them? In a later room, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was popular. Yeah. The guy said you really you really pushed him to the wall. That was good. Well, with um with Pathfinder characters, um you can't just bring out this this regular old stuff. No. Then it's a cakewalk. Yep, you got to craft your encounters, no doubt. Yeah. All right. Um, let's talk a little bit about world building. Then we kind of I think these two topics really fit well together. I'm not sure if they're they're kind of a different segment, but they kind of fit together. And we think about a world building. One thing I think about a lot is tiers of play. And this has been brought up through several editions of the game, especially with fourth and fifth. And most people refer to low, mid, and high levels. And I mostly agree with what, you know, the fifth edition or not fifth edition, but what yeah, fourth and fifth say. Low level is your gritty kind of characters, your beginning local heroes. Mid levels, they become heroes of the realm. And then high level, they become world renowned and travelers of different planes and stuff. And I would be cool with that if I was building a world. However, I sometimes think, I sometimes think the rules should actually change as you go through tiers. I mean, to where you can see a significant change in what your character can do. Almost as if like certain creatures and challenges maybe become, I don't know if negligible is the right word, um, but outgrow foes. Unlike 13th Age, where you can fight an orc at first level, fifth level, ninth level, and 10th level. And they can just basically be a badass orc at 10th level, you know? Right. They're, they're not precisely the same orc. Not to say you couldn't, you know, travel to the city of Sigil and end up meeting an orc as a 20th level fighter if you wanted to. But, um, I, you know, I, I get the different the different tiers, but what would you think of a game or, or a setting where, I don't want to say the rules of physics, but almost like the rules of the game, even within the world. So, like, people just don't treat you at all the same, and certain things that you struggle with before, you just don't anymore and your characters are in kind of like a new playing field. And that could be married with rule changes as well. Have you ever thought about thought about that with uh, Yeah, well, you probably you could probably think of it uh, kind of analogous to um, if me and you were playing basketball in your backyard and there was like folks from the neighborhood and we all played together. Right. That and uh, me and you uh, more likely you because I I was never that good. But, yeah, but you could jump. You could jump. I could jump. Like me. <laughs> That's about it. That's only because I didn't weigh anything. And uh, I think um, I had all your weight. So we had a bit of a um, uh, reputation from within that group. Mm -hmm. And then let's say one or both of us went to a minor league. <laughs> Get rid of and we were good enough to play there things would, we'd be on a different stage. Things would be different. Mm -hmm. You're on a different, you're in a totally different league. We're just playing a tournament, like a, like a tournament league. Yeah, tournament league. You're yeah. not some just, some uh, not doing just pickup games. You're right. actually good enough to be in tournaments. So right. you're actually better and things are different at that level. And then there's another level, the pros. 
So right. at the pros, things are vastly different than the other two, and yeah. um, there's no confusing any of them. And everybody right. knows that there's differences. And the, uh, some people can can climb into the different um, um, leagues or different levels, different tiers, uh, but some cannot. Some people you will never encounter in the pros. You'll never play against your back uh, some backyard pickup game yeah. at the pros. You're not, you're not going to find me playing it for the Lakers. And it's not going to happen. If, and nobody from that league, if someone from – uh, just from the neighborhood, went to a pro game and said, "What's up? Let me play." It all, you know, <laughs> yeah. no. Yeah, so, yeah. Michael Jordan shows up in Charleston, Indiana. We're playing ball down in the park. Hey, can I can I play? Uh, I guess, but what's the point? Right. So in a <laughs> fantasy world with tiered play like that, there would be differences uh, if um, some local village um, hero tried to take out some, uh, the Terrask, let's say. Right. The Terrask could just choose to ignore him because he would have no effect on him. Right. Or it would just eat him and nobody would hear from him again. Right. Whereas someone at that tier of play, he might they might still get beat, but the Terrask would, would at least, you know, feel it somehow. Well, that brings up an interesting question. Now, I recall when we transitioned from Greyhawk to the Forgotten Realms back at the end of first edition... Um, the players were always wanting to run because I'd start in Shadowdale because that's a place I knew they wanted to go to Elminster's tower and get his help. And then my players, <laughs> Jeremy and Eric and <laughs> some of the Ryan and those guys, well, why won't Elminster help us? I thought he was good alignment. It's like a high level dude doesn't come down and go defeat. Um, I don't know, a local owlbear that's giving the farmers trouble. Right. Right. That's, Cause he that's does he's somebody like, else's job. Yeah, I mean, I have bigger things to worry about, and that would drive them crazy. I would always say I have greater worries than what you could possibly imagine. <laughs> right, and and let's say that he did that. Yeah. While he's away, somebody, who some something happens that he should not have gone away. Yep. Um, or when he was gone, uh, when he left to go to that minor incident, something big happened. Uh, the wards that bound a Sararak, the ancient Demolich, broke. Right. And he was supposed to be watching it. Oh, but hey, don't worry. Elminster helps you kill that owlbear and her cubs. Good right. job. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I think I think uh, that's... But just even though it's technically the world-building segment, I think about the rules. I've, also, I've often imagined, wouldn't it be interesting to see D&D created where they created three players handbooks because you and I both know this is probably a topic for another day. Why high level play? I don't know. I won't say it doesn't work because it does work. I've run plenty of high level games, but I think it'd be interesting if the rules literally changed. They had a low level players handbook, a mid level players handbook and a high level players handbook. And I mean, for like levels one to eight, nine to 12, 13 or higher, it'd be interesting if they really did that and changed the rules a bit to right. where, I don't know if you need a whole new book. Um, Yeah, you probably, you probably don't, but I've always wondered if that could, maybe you're just making three different games that don't need to be made. Probably just, it depends probably on just (laughs) what, to what extent you want to change. I think that, um, 
probably just introducing a, a, a just a handful of different changes um, would be enough instead of it just being well I made another level you don't want it to be that every time right. you make a level it's just another level once you hit a certain one then things change a bit by who knows what I just think that there needs there would need to be to elicit that uh, feel and it not just be well you're just another you're just one level higher right seven just, more hit points you just plus decide what hit. you just decide what is different um you could say well you hit eighth level and eighth level is the next tier up what happens oh well your damage dice double or your hit points double or um you have access to a new um, point reserve that lets you do weird things, kind of like um, the epic. Was it epic? No, the mythic book from Path yeah. from uh, Paizo. Yeah. When you became mythic, you when you become mythic, you get um, uh, these points you can use to do uh, special things. Yeah. And. Uh, that kind of thing could be. I would put that at the high level instead of mid if you yeah. do that. But you just come up with a couple of rules that make it um, obvious that it's a different situation that you're in. And I've it, always, and we've said this before too, I've always thought wizards like can maybe once they reach mid level, maybe first level spells are now at will. Right. They just cast any first level spell they want. Right. And you were, you were, yeah. you've mentioned that once one fellow in his game. Wizards just cast at will. Yeah. Well, if you were yeah. if we were making our favorite D and I don't know if I would do that from the get go, but you yeah, might get maybe. that at high level. Um, right. It might be that you have like a standardy uh, vanilla spells starting out, and then you hit mid level, and they all kind of get a power boost. Right. Somehow, and then at high level, you get like um, unlimited casting of some some variety. Unlimited is kind of weird if right. you consider it with the way D&D spells work. You'd have yeah. to change some things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. As, as, if you're going above 6th level. <coughs> that guy only goes up to 6th level. So yeah, those spells you could probably cast forever and who cares. Well, 6th level wizards would get to cast Fireball and Haste and things like that, but you're right, it's not terribly exciting. Well, how long, Haste ages you a year. Oh, that's right. Remember that? Does. From that edition that's of the game, I'm pretty right. sure. So I don't know if it does. He uses 5e, sort of, but he does, his, he does his own thing. So This is the guy called the... Um, he does... Is it Dungeon Craft? Professor Dungeon Master or whatever? He's a pretty interesting guy to listen to, but he's got some... Uh, He's got his own ways to approach things, that's for sure. Right. And he plays within a and he plays within a bubble, admittedly so. It sure, helps sure. when you it helps when you, you know, shrink things down to like an E six. You, you remember that, don't you, Joe? Right, right. The E six right. game. That was like third edition, maxed at sixth level. Well, I think this is time for a shameless plug. Um, we'd like you guys to please share, like, or review our podcast on Anchor. And also we're on what? Breaker Joe, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Spotify Stitcher. Stitcher, um, yeah, all over the place. Overcast. Oh, sweet. Hold on just a moment. Oh, he's going to pull find the ball. Pull it up. Pull something up. Pull it right out of your butt. I think um, you can do it. 
Drum roll, please. So, right. while Joe I'm just pulling up it. the uh, website to get a complete list because we didn't list them all out in the notes. Oh, yeah. I just got a handful of them. And the Google is spinning. All right. Ooh, so, uh -oh. what's that? Apple, God. Google Podcasts. Though, um, okay. I'm not sure. I, I saw a blurb saying that uh, Google Play Music is uh -huh. going away. So I don't know what that's going to mean for their the podcast, um, them being able to have podcasts. So we'll see. Huh. Okay. But I think that, I think we got everything but uh, mentioned except for that. Everything else cool. is here. Yes. Right. Now uh, Joe has recently, being the tech master that he is, if you'd like to show us a little support and then check out our website, which is biggestgeekestpodcast.com and click on the donate link. Any contribution is much appreciated, and we thank you for your consideration either way. Yes. Where can they reach us, Joe? They can email, email us now. at questions at biggestgeekestpodcast.com. Um, yeah. Sorry for the long URL. Um, Biggest Geekest was taken somehow. What? Somebody already How? bought that uh, particular um, domain. Uh, not sure why anyone would do that. And not use no. it, but they they bought it. But they there's no website. There's nothing. I couldn't even find a way to buy it uh, hmm. from them. Which as wealthy as would, you are, oh, as yeah. rich and, and well connected as you are, you couldn't buy that. No, no, dude, I'm disappointed. Didn't want my money. You would think a mailman friend, being as loaded as they are, would just be able to snap your fingers and say, "Give me the name now, sucker." Yes, bring the oh. domain hence and make it yeah. mine. No, so I had to I had to come up with something else. I guess I could have just did I uh, could have done uh, biggestgeekus.net or something like that. But I yeah, if you send us some questions, we'll we'll tackle them and um, uh, we'll do our best. We got gosh, Joe, what is it? I bet we've been playing since the early '80s, dude. So we got 80 years of gaming experience between us. Is that right? Um, yeah. That's not even. Well, mathematically, it's challenging since gaming's not been around for 80 years, but we have technically 40 apiece. Yes, combined right experience. Um, yeah. So questions, probably mostly uh, if you want to uh, suggest topics for the podcast or uh, need clarifications on anything we talked about. Most of it's our opinion, so I don't know how much clarification you need, but yeah, and, and it the is truth what is. It is. We're old, as you can tell. We don't remember everything. So you can ask us rules questions. It'll be like, I can look it up. I've been getting collecting all the old stuff again. Not all of it, but I got the main rule book. So if you asked a first edition question, I'd look it up. I'm not sure if I could answer it off the cuff. God, it's been – God, how long has it been since we played first edition? Oh, um, I'm going to add one more thing to the how to support us. Um, um, we have a support page as well as um, a donate link. I think on the – on the um, home page, uh, there's not currently a donate link. It's, there's just a support link that goes to a page that gives you different options. And oh, okay. uh, there's the donate link, um, as well as suggestions to share and do all the things that you can do on a podcatcher app. And also, um, just was it today or yesterday? Um, I put up an Amazon link. So 
you can do all of your online shopping through our link and uh, we'll get a little a little commission not much um, no. but um, that would be that would be if you can't uh, financially support us that's cool it's no big deal um, no. and it doesn't cost you anything extra to go there first I would say probably the sharing and liking and reviewing hopefully liking a lot and reviewing very positively but hey we'll take whatever we can get would probably help us more than just about anything right yeah. now try to get this out to people yeah especially i know itunes um has a review feature i'm not sure about the others so much um, yeah. um i would suggest against uh reviewing on facebook we had a friend do that and we appreciate it but it's yeah. not going to get a lot of eyeballs on it so yeah um, true reviews on the um podcast podcast um apps would be best or websites yeah. that'd be great if you want to yeah yeah no big deal we would uh, really like it but anyway uh, this is randy and this is joe remember can't be big like us be geeks like us.